Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. Psalm 103, we're going to start in verse 13. I was uh, rereading over uh, this last portion of Psalm 103 over the past couple days. And I've also just been listening to the Bible Project podcast. Um, They've been going through the character, well, last year they went through the characteristics of God, God's character. And... uh, I've just been loving it. I've been eating it up. And so I, I really feel like, um, you know, we've, we've been doing this for what, four or five months now? We've been meeting as a church family. We've been praying together. We've been worshiping together. We've been doing teachings, kind of seeing what everybody's made of, seeing what everybody's gifts are. It's been awesome. Um, I've loved it. But one of the things that I don't want us to forget is why we're here. And I, and I don't think that we have in some aspects, but I, I really feel like what the Lord's laid on my heart tonight is to really talk about um, family and God being the center of our family, God being our father first and foremost, because when we look at that wall over there and we talk about redemption, evangelism, discipleship, multiplication and community, the best place to start for all of those things, the healthiest place to start for all of those things is talking about family and what family looks like and clearly defining what our family is going to be because as people come in and out um, and they come back or they don't come back, uh, at the heart of it all, what they're really looking for is a healthy family structure. healthy church family structure where they can come and feel safe and loved um, but also a place where their kids can come (laughs) and feel safe and loved Um, so tonight we're going to kind of end Psalm 103 um, and jump into something a little bit different um, moving forward I I, I really want to kind of go deeper into I really feel like the Lord wants us to go deeper into his characteristics so we can know who he is as our head as our father so that we can deal with the things that we're projecting onto him that keep us from him Um, and then through that I want us to start diving into what it's like to figure out who we are because the best way to minister to others is to know what our strengths are and what God has actually called us to. So tonight we're going to jumpstart a series that, I mean, who knows how long it's going to take because these are like the foundations of what we're going to be doing here, right? So I want it to take as long as it's going to take. um, And whoever wants to teach as far as like who they know God to be um, or or who they know or what they know about our own identity as sons and daughters of God and as priests and as servants and and all the crazy things that get wrapped up into this because this is just such a multifaceted subject matter that we're going to be getting into 
um, I want us to feel confident enough to be able to step up and say, I have something to share because the crazy thing about it is that we all do. I know that there aren't that many of us. I know that we're a small church right now, but I know that many of us are pretty mature. We've seen a lot of stuff. We know a lot. The Lord has taught us all a lot, and I want us to be able to share because the only way that the church gets healthy and stays healthy is when the believers in it who are mature help everyone else mature, and we continue to share. We all have different aspects of who God is. Um, we all know different aspects of, of, of His character um, that deserve to be spoken about. We deserve... Uh, God wants us to know those testimonies as we move forward. Um, one of the big verses that we're going to be looking at is that verse in Exodus that talks about him being compassionate and slow to anger, merciful, forgiving, and just, revisiting the iniquity upon the third and the fourth generations moving forward. Um, because it's the most quoted verse in the Bible, in the Bible. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, quote, that, that verse, that section of verses, I think it's two or three, is quoted more times within the Bible than any other verse in the Bible, any other section of verses. And this is like God introducing himself and his character. And we'll get to that in the next couple weeks. Um, but tonight, starting in verse Psalm 103, starting in verse 13, um, 13 through 18 is really kind of uh, I, the groundwork of where we're going to be building from. And we'll revisit 13 in the future as we talk about compassion because the word compassion here is just such a such an amazing word. Um, it's actually a feminine word. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Uh, and we'll we'll dive more into it later. But I just think it's it's very interesting that this uh, this word compassion really kind of shows the feminine aspects of God. Um, he made us male and female in His image, and so there are feminine aspects about Him, and this word is very much so that. Um, again, we'll teasing that for later, but, um, so starting in verse 13, it says like a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord gives compassion to those who fear him for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust as for man. His days are as grass as a flower of the field. He flourishes for the hot wind passes over it and it is gone. The place where it was is not known. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his commandment and to those who remember to do his commandments. Um, this is kind of going to be, I guess, like I said, for lack of a better word, a launching pad into the rest of what we're going to be talking about and just spending much, much time on um, in the future, because I think this section of verses really uh, encompasses God's love for us and how he sees us. I mean, it even brings up references to Psalm um, 139 about how we're made and how we're formed. Um, it, it brings up aspects of that verse in Exodus that talk about his character, his mercy, his compassion, his righteousness, the way that he forgives, um, and anything and everything else in between. Um, the rest of Psalm 103 says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Um, and he's, he's very much so undisputed. And so when we're looking at what, we're, what our mission is here in Highland Park uh, and who He is as a kind and loving Father, um, 
I'm very thankful that he sits on the throne and that his kingdom rules over all. Um, you know, there's, there are principalities that rule over territories, uh, even here in America, but, and they consider themselves gods. You know, in the Old Testament, these principalities are called gods with little g. Um, but he's the God above all gods. He does not have a rival, any rival. Um, in fact, when you're looking at ancient cosmologies um, and you see the origin stories of how ancient, uh, ancient wor worldviews are and how the world was set up, um, oftentimes you see uh, the dark waters of, of the world at war with whatever pantheon that culture believes in. But the amazing thing about our God, about Yahweh, is that he was not at war with the waters. He hovered over it. He commanded the waters to do what he wanted them to do, and they got done. Right? Um, so he sits on the throne. He commands. He's in charge. Um, and he's sovereign enough to work through people's free will, which I love. Um, I love that. And, and there's like... You know, we have to wrestle with the aspect of free will versus sovereignty. I don't know how it all works. A lot of it's all up to mystery. What I do know is that he gives everybody free will, but he is the sovereign of my life. He is the Lord of my life, and I, I can't get over that, right? Um, he takes care of everything. He works all things, every single aspect of my life together for my good because he loves me, because he's a com kind and compassionate father to his children. Right? Verse 13, like a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord gives compassion to those who fear him. Um, and then the rest of, the, the rest of this section um, continues to talk about praise, um, commanding the angels to bless the Lord. Bless, bless the Lord, you his angels, who are mighty to do his commands and obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you servants who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Um, so we end Psalm 103 with this commandment uh, to our souls to bless him, but also the spiritual atmosphere around us to be blessing him at all times as well, which I, I think is amazing. Like, I'm going to be honest, I stay away from a lot of teachings about angels because I feel like people get over-spiritual and oftentimes end up worshiping the angels to some degree. Um, I know I probably need to get over that to dive into more of those things to see where all that lies biblically. I'm letting you guys in on my process. But I, I do love the fact here that like, even his angels are commanded to bless him through the psalmist here, through David. David, David is commanding the spiritual atmosphere around him to bless the Lord as he is blessing the Lord. Um, and I, and, I, and I, th I think that says something as we move forward into... And to what we're doing here, we, 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 whether we realize it or not, we carry an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. No matter what, um, what we're doing, no matter where we're going. Um, and it's because of, of how Jesus showed us to be. It's because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. It's because of how great the Father is. He wants to be with us at all times. You know? Um, and I think that that's just, I just think that that's amazing, you know? And uh, in Joshua, um, and in, it's echoed again in, in Hebrews 13, it says, The Lord will never leave us 
or forsake us. He does not, he does not leave us alone. Um, and that's just, I, th I think that that's really powerful because I, I, I think, um, I know for me, growing up, um, we, we end up carrying the wounds of our parents into life with us. And we don't realize it. Um, the Bible would call these things iniquity because typically the wounds that we carry from our parents are also the wounds that they carry from their parents. And it just trickles to the third, the fourth generation moving forward. And for me, for my dad, his dad was never around. Um, and when he was around, he was kind of manipulative and weird. I don't, I don't know everything. But, but for me, it was interesting because my dad was around, but because he didn't have his dad around, when my dad was around, he was passive. So he made a lot of promises that he couldn't keep. And so it's taken me a long time to trust that the Lord never will never leave me and never forsake me. Um, and, I, and I say that to say that as we move forward into a lot of these things, what I want to confront are those, what I feel like the Lord wants to confront are those parts of us that are hurting that we want to cover up. Um, you know, just because we Febreze dog poop doesn't mean that it's not still dog poop and doesn't mean that the stench won't come back eventually. You know what I mean? Like, just because um, we try to get rid of the rats in the house, if we keep the trash there, the rats keep coming back, you know? Um, just because you don't see the roaches in the daytime don't mean that they're not there. You know, as 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 we move forward, and and uh, so having said all that, tonight, uh, as we kind of jump into a lot of this, I, I want to go through a lot of John, uh, specifically John 14. I have a lot of verses in John 14 that I want to cover tonight, um, just about who who Jesus says the Father is, and how important. Um, Jesus's definitions of, of God the Father is because um, we need to have a healthy view of who our Father is. All the judgment that happens later in life that so many people are scared of when they think about God, that's all Jesus doing that. You know, our Father is the loving, compassionate uh aspect of the Godhead that wants to pull us in and, and set us up on his knee and never stop hugging us, you know. Um, he's also firm. He has rules that he wants us to follow, but we need to learn to see him. There's a reason why when we begin to talk about the Lord, when he introduces himself in Exodus, he first says that he is compassionate and slow to anger. Um, and I think Jesus really modeled this as he walked the earth. So, um, Tonight we're going to start just by looking at different aspects of who God is. And I, I, I guess what I really feel like the Lord wants us to do is he wants to do is he wants to reintroduce himself to us as a kind and loving father that we can depend on. Because when you look at the science of sociology, what you end up finding is that the father in the house and the culture um, ends up determining, helping to determine the identity of the people in the family. And if we are really to know who we are, just the way that Jesus knew who he was and is, 
um, then we need to know who our father is and we need to be able to depend on him, right? So um, the first thing that I want to look at is the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Um, so let's go there real quick. No, it's in Matthew 6. Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6, man. Yeah. Matthew 6. We'll start in verse 5. Um, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by men. But truly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, into your closet, when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what things you need before you ask Him. Therefore pray in this manner, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, I mean, this is a thick section of verses. I mean, there's a lot that we can dissect here. But I'm going to let you know that I'm coming from this message very one-sided. So we can get into how to pray later and all this other stuff. The one thing that I want you to see as we're talking about God reintroducing himself to us as a father is that Jesus didn't tell us to pray to Jesus. Jesus didn't tell us to pray to the Holy Spirit. He told us to pray to the Father. Um, and I think this is important because we... I think a lot of the times we're so comfortable with the idea of Jesus being our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit empowering us that we miss a critical aspect of our relationship with God because we're so stuck on them. Um, I, and a lot of the churches that I've been to, the ones that are not Spirit-filled tend to focus more on Jesus, which is awesome. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. I'm not saying that we don't do that. And the ones that are more Pentecostal or charismatic in experience tend to focus more on the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Great. Not saying that we shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is that if we're going to truly be obedient to what Jesus said to do and model the prayer life that he had and live the life that he had when it comes to signs and wonders and miracles and all the things that he said that we should be doing, he didn't tell us to pray to him or to the Holy Spirit. He told us to pray to the Father who is in heaven. And in fact, he said that the kingdom was the Father's and that the will that was to be done for the kingdom was the Father's. And so when we're looking at the will of God, we're not... I mean, yes, it is the will of Jesus. They're the Godhead. Very complicated subject matter, right? I'm not saying that this, they're not all tight, tightly knit together and that their will is not one and the same. I'm just simply quoting what Jesus said. It was the Father's will that he was fulfilling, right? So the first thing that I would like us to do moving forward uh, in our personal lives, and even when we're here, is by talking to the Father. Um, I think a lot of the times, and, and just hear my heart on this, because my heart is for us to be obedient and talking to, to, 
to the Father the way that Jesus said that we should be talking to him, right? But I, I, I think a lot of the times Christians, because they don't understand what Jesus said and don't truly understand what it means to be obedient, their prayer life becomes uh, likened to that of someone with Tourette's, where when they start praying, it's like they list off every name of God that they can, and then they wonder sometimes why their prayers aren't being answered. Um, and yes, there's power in the name of Jesus when we pray in Jesus' name, but Jesus didn't say that the power was praying to Jesus. He said that the power was praying to the Father in his name. Right. right? So when we're praying and we hit this place of, yes, Father, yes, you know, uh, if, you, if, if we're going through like the relational aspects of the Godhead, like, Lord, we bless, we bless the Father, we bless the Son, we bless the Holy Spirit, one thing, right? But when we're asking for something to be done, um, and, and Jesus, we'll, we'll get to this verse later, where, uh, it's in my notes somewhere, but whatever, we'll get to it when we get to it. Jesus said, uh, when I leave, don't pray to me. He said, as I go, pray to the Father in my name and all that you ask will be given to you so that your joy is made full, right? So if we're blessing the Lord, we can use any name of God that we want. We can call out every part of the Godhead, but when we're specifically praying for an agenda be do to be done, when we're specifically praying for something to happen, when we're praying the will of God on the earth, we're not praying to Jesus. We're not praying to the Holy Spirit. We're praying to the Father. And in fact, even when you look through the book of Acts and you look at the model and how the, the apostles modeled prayer, they never prayed to Jesus and they never prayed to the Holy Spirit. And look at how many signs and wonders and miracles and how much they got done in the time period that they were doing it. Right? Um, again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to Jesus. I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to the Holy Spirit. I want us to be comfortable having relationships with all parts of the Godhead. However, when we're talking about family and coming together tightly knit, when we look at like different movies or books that we read or whatever we do, it's always the patriarch of the family that the, fam that the rest of the family crowds around because of how much respect and honor they have for, for, for the father of the family. Um, in fact, father uh, in the Hebrew means foundation. It means the beginning, right? And so what I want us to get to is back to the beginning, back to our foundation, back to where we need to be in order to grow in a healthy manner so that one, this fall when, when people come in and we're, we're helping out with youth life and stuff, we're not overwhelmed because we don't have right relationship with the Father the way that we need to since He's our covering, He's our protection, He is the, the, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, right? Like He is everything. He is the ancient of days who even like, you know, Jesus, when he's in heaven, when we see these pictures of Jesus in heaven, like in Daniel, the son of man approaches the ancient of days and gives the ancient of days reverence. When we see Jesus on the earth, we see Jesus approaching the father in prayer, giving the father reverence, not the other way around. And I'm not saying, again, that we shouldn't be giving these things to Jesus. What I'm saying is that if we're going to live the life that Jesus modeled, it's the father who deserves it first. All right. So having said all that, let's go to John 14. My little ramble there. John 14. Um, a lot of little things that we can pick apart in John 14. A lot of things that we can pick apart in the Gospel of John just in general, because, you know, when we look at the aspects of the different Gospels, Matthew was written to the Jews. 
His main portrayal of Jesus is, is as the line of the tri tribe of Judah. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, right? Um, he's the Messiah that, that is coming. That's the main purpose of Matthew. And Mark, Mark is being written to hyper-intellectual um, Greeks that uh, don't think the supernatural exists. So Mark actually has the most deliverances in any of the Gospels. He has the most signs and wonders and miracles up front out of any of the Gospels because he's trying to prove a point to people that don't believe in these things anymore. Um, if I remember correctly, I think John is the eagle. Ah, well, never mind. Well, that's the sidebar. We'll get into that stuff later. Anyway, so looking at John verses 14, or chapter 14, verses 6 through 9. Um, Jesus said to them, well, let's, let's break it up and uh, let's go back to verse 5 for a second. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think this is interesting because we quote, I, I, I think a lot of the times, at least in the circles that I've been in, when we talk about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life, which is the section of verses we're about to read, we read a lot into Jesus being the truth and we lead, read a lot into Jesus being the life because he gives us abundant life and he is the truth, right? I mean, in, in this world that we live in, as we're battling culture and we want to be countercultural, we talk about Jesus being the truth and we talk about eternal life because we want people to come to salvation. But Thomas here specifically wasn't even asking about truth or life at all. He was asking about where Jesus was going and what that way was. So Jesus in verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, then you have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is sufficient for us. And Jesus said, Have I been with you such a long time, and yet you do not, you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So why do you say, show us the Father? Um, again, I think this is important because as we, as we go into this uh, neighborhood that we're trying to minister to, and even as we encounter the people who have a church background in this neighborhood, who are like, who are religious to some degree, they'll talk to you about Jesus all day. But how often do we hear them bring up the Father? In fact, some of the people that I've met here who have been intercessors in this neighborhood for a long time talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, too. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me is that very rarely do I ever actually hear them bring up the Father. And Jesus' disciples, the original 12, were wondering where Jesus was going and what that looked like and who the Father was. They weren't wondering about the Holy Spirit. Jesus even gives them context about the Holy Spirit before and after this. And even still, it's, it's the Father that they're asking about. In this neighborhood, we've talked about this in our mission statements, in, 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 our, in our mission statements, in our vision nights, in, in our prayer time. We talk about how this, 
neighborhood has a, has a lack of fatherhood in it and how God is the father of this neighborhood. We want God to be the father of this neighborhood. We cannot help people see God as the father of this neighborhood or establish him as king and father of Highland Park until we as a church family begin to see him as our father and interact with him in that way as well. We have to see that the way that Jesus is paving for us isn't necessarily the way of persecution. It's not the way of signs and wonders and miracles. It's not the way of any and every other thing that we could think of. The way that Jesus is paving for us is the way to the Father. Jesus is trying to get us to the Father so that we can learn to be His children and have right relationship with Him. And out of that, the rest of life flows. Jesus' sacrifice was to give us a path to the Father. No one goes to the Father except through Him. So what does this look like for us? What does this look like to be sons and daughters of God and be intimate with our Father moving forward in our lives? Um, if we look at John 14, verse 28, um, Jesus again is, is talking to his, his disciples and he says, um, talking again about where he's going, right? Because this is all in context of where he's going. This, he promises the Spirit, um, and he gives a nice dissertation about this. And then in verse 28, he says, You have heard me say, I'm going away and am returning to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father because my Father is greater than I am. So again, Jesus is reemphasizing what is the way that we're looking for? When we say, well, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a part of the way because that's what Christianity was originally called by the disciples of that day was the way, right? Historically, what is the way? It's the way to the Father. And Jesus, what I want to point out here is not just that Jesus is going to the Father, not just that this is the way that we are meant to be following, but that Jesus says that the Father is greater than I am which throws a wrench in a lot of our theological bubbles when we talk about the Godhead, because we say that they're equal, that they're all exalted, but Jesus, in his own words, says, no, the Father is greater than I am. So things we have to wrestle with if we want to get really deep into theology, if you're a theology nerd like I am. If you're not, that's okay. Just know that Jesus said the Father is greater than him, and everything else just comes after that, right? Um, so... The destination, the, the, the thing that we're, we're aiming towards, the thing that we're walking towards, the thing that we're trying to get to with Jesus living inside of us, with having the Holy Spirit, is that, is that destination, the Father. The Father is interactive. Abba, our Father, is interactive. So, as much as I am a theology nerd, one thing that I have to constantly stop myself, one thing that I have to constantly do is stop myself and actually experience Him because I get caught up in theological aspects and thinking and talking about things. I love theological debates. Josiah and I have them all the time. It's really awesome. Um, you know, um, but the thing that I have to do is I have to stop myself and, and calm my heart and refocus so that I'm actually interacting with the Father and not just words on paper, right? Um, because we shouldn't be trading our experience with him for theology that only affects our heads but never gets to our hearts. Right? Jesus called the, called the Pharisees out on this. He says, you, you search the scriptures all day for eternal life, but you fail to see that they point to me. I'm right here. Right? And I think 
what the Father is calling us into in order for us to be truly effective is that relationship right now. I think that He's calling us to really get into His Word, to study it, to invite us into experience with Him, experiential theology. If, if, if what we're studying doesn't lead us deeper into relationship with Him, then what we are studying is for nothing, truthfully. Because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, right? So if our knowledge, what we're studying is puffing us up, it means nothing. But it's that love of God that edifies us, that builds us up in the proper ways. And the only way for that love to do that is to experience it, to sit, to calm ourselves. Um, monks, I mean, this is one of the reasons why monks have what they call daily offices, where they like take six times out of the day at specific times to gather, to pray, to read the Psalms together, to sing the Psalms out loud. Like they want to experience the Lord. It's one of the reasons why God gave us the Sabbath, right? God said uh, that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath so that we could sit with Him. One of the commandments of the Sabbath is to sit with Him, to pray to Him, to worship Him, to experience Him. The thing that made Israel different in the Old Testament was that His presence went with them because they sat with Him, right? So... What I want to encourage us in as, as we continue to move forward in all of this is, are we sitting with Him? Are we taking that time? Are we taking that time to Sabbath with Him? Are we taking our time to have daily offices and experiences with Him that build us up in our faith? Because I'm going to be honest, and, it, and we'll, I'm going to get into this eventually too, is the, the power of testimony is so powerful. That's why I ask you guys, for testimonies every week before we start. I want to know, right? Because the, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we testify, we're also prophesying into the atmosphere what God is doing here as a family and what God is going to do out in the community. All right? If we, part of, part of Sabbath keeping was remembering what God was doing. And if we sat with him more, we would have testimonies to share. Um, what I want to challenge us to do is as we sit with him, as we come together week after week, as people come in to sit with us, I want them to hear our testimonies and our experiences with God and go, I want that too. So what I want to challenge us to do as the core group of Highland Park Community Church is have those experiences throughout the week and come back each week and have all of us have at least one thing to share. What did God do when you sat with him? How did he love you? What did he reassure you of? What did he confirm in your life? What kind of miracles did he bring about in your life? Um, what did he lead you to do? How were you obedient in it? And how did he respond? You know, um, because he is the way. He is, he is, well, he is the destination of, of the way that we are taking. And if we never get to that destination, then we obviously aren't actually experiencing what Jesus paid for, right? We're, we're in process, but the only reason why we can be in process internally and being sanctified is because we've actually made it the way to the Father so that He can love us and His love can change us, right? Um, so, um, let's see. Let's, let's look at some other things that Jesus said in, in John 14 before we move on to anything else. Uh, John 14, 24. Uh, let's, let's start in verse 22 and we'll read to 24. Then Judas, not Iscariot. I love the parentheses in our, in our westernized Bibles. 
the Judas that wasn't the betrayer, <laughs> right, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and he will come to him and make and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. The word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. This is very, this very thick section of verses. Um, obedience is better than sacrifice. And that's all I'm going to say about God loving us because we keep his word, right? Like, because that's, that's a whole other dissertation right there. We, we know that the Lord loves us. We've kept part of his word by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right? And now we're learning how to be obedient and keep the rest of his word. And uh, not that he can love us any more or any less, but we know his love and experience his love more and to a greater degree as we are obedient. So that's all I'm going to say about that. The thing I want to point out, though, is that Jesus continues to exalt Abba, the Father, above himself in these verses. He says, the word which you hear is not mine. It's not me who's speaking, but the Father who sent me. The, the, everything that I'm saying to you, I've already gotten from the Father. So yes, I'm dying for you. I'm your Savior. But I'm only doing these things because the Father gave me the words. To, I'm only saying these things because the Father gave me the words to say them. Um, in John 10, 30, uh, I'm not going to go there and read this one, but... Um, Jesus in, in John 10 30 says that he and the father are one and that we get to experience that oneness with them as, as we grow in obedience and the love of God. Right. Um, which, which is amazing. You know, um, I, I, I just love the fact that Jesus continues to exalt the father and what right relationship with the father looks like. Um, and if he is, Again, if he is our Lord and Savior and we are meant to do greater things than he is, then we have to learn how to walk that way to the relationship that we're supposed to have with the Father. Um, and I think that I, I would be willing to bet money on the fact that our relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit will follow as we grow in relationship with the Father. Because this is the one thing that Jesus exalts over everything is the Father. Um, and the Holy Spirit exalts the Son and the Father. Um, so we've got two parts of the Godhead exalting the Father. Um, and of course, the Father loves to talk about His Son and the Holy Spirit too. So they're all talking about each other. But again, if we're looking at our, our, our role model here, our Lord and Savior, our King of Kings, if we're supposed to be doing the things that He commanded us to do, if we look at 1 John 5, it says that just as He is, so are we in this world. If we are meant to be representatives of him in this world, then we should be striving to have the relationship with the father that he wants us to have and not beating around the bush about it. So if I can't kill, uh, if I can't beat this dead horse anymore, we're going to go to Hebrews one verses one through three. And we're just going to keep hitting it, man. Cause I, I, uh, I think scripture is way more important than, um, I mean, I love stories. I, I, I love people who can teach through stories. I'm not that person. 
Sometimes I can teach through stories, but that's not typically how I do things. I think scripture speaks more than stories and experiences because oftentimes stories and experiences are very biased teachers. Um, and I would rather just let scripture, the word of God, Jesus, speak for himself. Um, so Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three says, God at various times and in diverse ways spoke long ago to the fathers through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, and this is what I want to point out, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through him he has made the world. He is the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of the Father, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he... He had by himself purged our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty or the father on high. He has made so much better than he was made so much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Um, so what I what I what I feel like the Lord is saying in these verses when it comes to our subject matter tonight is that the prophets can only speak about God, the father to a certain extent. Right. Like um, if Jesus is the word made flesh and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. If he is the spoken word of God, then depending on how you want to split hairs theology, you could debate that the God of the Old Testament that Israel was interacting with wasn't the father at all. It was Jesus. In fact, I would say that that is the true case, because Jesus at one point says no one knows or has heard from the father except the Son, which means the God of the Old Testament, the God of Israel, who is our God as well, who is that part of the Godhead that they were interacting with, right? Jesus is revealing the Father and the way that he walks, the way that he talks, the way that he go, goes about doing things in the gospel. But Jesus isn't just revealing the Father through the gospels. He's revealing the Father through every page of Scripture, every page. The aspects of God that we are uncomfortable with are the aspects of God that we need to get to know the most because those are the things that honestly are probably going to shape us and touch the places of our hearts that are the darkest so that light can, can be in that place again. Um, so Jesus came to reveal the brightness of his glory and his image. Only the Son knows the Father and the Father knows the Son. Um, and the last thing that we'll end on tonight as we kind of continue to go into this over the next several weeks, because I want to, I want to prep us for some of the hard things that we're going to face over the next couple weeks. Um, as we kind of get to know this, know the father more. Um, Jesus came to manifest the name of God. We go to verse or chapter 17 of John. Um, this is in verse six. Again, really dense section of scripture. This is Jesus's high priestly prayer. If you've never studied it, I highly recommend it. There's so much juicy goodness here. If you think that it's good by reading it by itself, man, you should go back and reread Leviticus and all the things that the high priest had to do and intercede for. Read the Old Testament because you're going to find so many just references and different things. It's, it's very thick. Um, uh, but one thing that I, I want to point out is verse 6. 
verse six, and, uh, and then I, I want to talk a little bit about verse six and what that means, and then we'll, we'll end here. And then um, in two weeks when we come back to do things again, we're going to start by talking about different aspects of knowing the Father, um, different results of knowing Him and, and why it's important. But tonight I just want to paint a picture of how good God is and uh, what Jesus actually said about the Father so that we have a foundation for this because Jesus is the Word and the Word is our foundation, right? So uh, verse 6 of John 17 I have revealed your name to the men whom you have given me out of this world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Uh, so the word revealed there, in some translations it actually says manifest. Um, I like the word manifest because it, it seems, that word to me, it, it makes it sound like you're bringing something into existence or revealing something that wasn't quite known or, or seen before, right? Um, which again, the world revealed is there, so obviously that is what Jesus is doing. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that in other translations where it might say Jesus came to make known the name of God, I don't think it carries the same weight as the words manifest or revealed. Um, because, and the, re the reason why I think that is because if you read the Old Testament and you actually read it in Hebrew, the Jews had, every time that they called the Lord God, any time the word God shows up in the Bible, it's never actually God's true name. They're all different aspects of who God is. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, um, uh, Adonai, uh, Yehovi, you know. Um, I mean, there, there are so many. Uh, there are so many, so many, so many. And it's crazy how many names there are for God in the Old Testament. And what's interesting is that the Jewish people, the people who Jesus is ministering to, has ministered to, is praying for primarily in the beginning of this section until he gets into the disciples that will come after the, the, the Israelites. Um, they all knew these names. But there's only one name that Jesus called God throughout his time on the earth, outside of just God, right? Because um, even Jesus, as he's referring to, to the Father, he calls, he calls him God. But, but the name that I think is the most important is Father, Abba. Um, what name did Jesus introduce to them that they weren't using, that they weren't talking about when they talked about every other aspect of God? It was that of a father. In the Old Testament, when you read and you see God refer to Himself as a Father, it's only, the fa it's only God re revealing Himself as a Father in those sections. The, the prophets, the people writing the, the Scriptures, they never actually talked about Him as a Father. And when they did, it was all because they were prophesying what God was already telling them. It wasn't of their own volition. And again, it's all led by the Holy Spirit, right? I'm not saying that it's not all, all Spirit-inspired. Um, but, but I think that there is a difference when the Father begins to prophesy and speak to us directly, or when Jesus begins to speak to us directly um, and how He's introducing Himself. Uh, God the Father, in, in um, this chapter alone, this chapter alone, the word Father appears six times. Um, and, I, and I think that that's powerful because He comes to introduce the Father to us. Manifest, the word manifest here is very important um, because you can't just manifest something through speech. 
it has to be through action. It has to be an action of faith, and it has to be through knowing what you're manifesting. You can't manifest something that you aren't aware of, at least in this proper context, right? Jesus is on a mission to manifest the name of the Father. Um, you know, um, Jesus manifested the Father's name as a son of God, um, one who was fearless and always knew that the Father was with him. In John 10, verses 37 through 38, um, it says... If I am not doing the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works that they may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. So we see that all the works, all the different things that Jesus did, every sermon that he gave, every person that he healed, every demon he cast out, every person he brought back to life, every leper that was cleansed, was all because he was manifesting the mercy and compassion and righteousness and judgment of the Father. Um, and he knew the Father was with him. What's, what's crazy is that you can't, again, you can't manifest something that you don't know. And, uh, you know, it, my, my friends might be able to talk about my dad and how awesome he was to them. Um, because when I was, when I was younger, especially way young, my dad really was like awesome and, and way more ways than I can count. And he like brought in many of my friends and my brother's friends and practically adopted them as like, um, as extra sons and daughters, which was really cool. In fact, when we celebrated his birthday a month ago, um, my brother has three friends that he's had basically his entire life. Um, he still has now and they were at my dad's birthday party you know, which was awesome. Um, be, just because of how much my dad meant to them growing up as well. Um, but what's crazy is that they'll never be able to manifest or reveal who my dad is to anyone around them. They can't. They are not his true sons. Um, only I as a son can reveal who my father truly is by manifesting his nature and his goodness through me. Um, the prophets used to brag about God all day, but only Jesus could manifest who he truly was because Jesus truly knew him as Father. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. Um, so, um, we'll end in Matthew 11. So let's go back to Matthew real quick. I don't know if you guys have a favorite gospel. I know a lot of people that I talk to are like, man, I love John and I love Luke, you know, which is cool. I'm a Matthew kind of guy, but I also just like really love the Old Testament. And there's so many Old Testament references in here that people don't always get. Um, then I love uh, the motif of Jesus being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and, and all this all the prophecies that are revealed and manifested in Matthew just really, uh, just really does it for me. It's awesome. Um, so we're going to start in verse 27 and read through verse 30. It says, um, <clears throat> actually, we're going to start in verse 25. 
at that time, Jesus said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to infants. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and he, excuse me, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy, heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, so a couple things just to mention here. We see Jesus praying again. There's another example of Jesus praying. Who's Jesus praying to? He's praying to the Father, right? Real easy. In fact, in his prayer, he names the, he uses the term Father twice, um, which, which I love because there's that intimacy there, right? Um, so... Uh, as, as we look at this, we, we see that Jesus is the only one that could truly reveal who the Father was, who the Father is, and who the Father will be into eternity. Um, but He gives us, because we get to be bearers of his, of his image and His likeness, we get to do that too, should we choose to be co-laborers with Him. Should we choose to spend time with Him. Um, so if we are to know our Father, it must be... Th- through the revelation of the Son, because that's what Jesus said, obviously, um, and we need to spend time with Him. But one of the things that I, I really also just want to encourage us in so that we can give it to others, because people quote this last, this last session of, se- section excuse me, of Matthew 11 a lot, verses 28 through 30. I would like to propose to you that the reason why His yoke was easy and his burden was light wasn't necessarily because of anything that Jesus was doing by himself. No. Um, the reason why his yoke was easy and his burden was light was because he was doing the Father's will and he trusted and acknowledged the Father in all of his ways. If we look at Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Um, it's a great section of verses. And I think a lot of the times, in a, in a lot of church settings, they use that to talk about Jesus, trusting in Jesus for everything, which we should. But Jesus points us back to trusting in the Father and acknowledging the Father. In all of Jesus' ways, He acknowledged the Father. And what I want to challenge us with as we go through the rest of the week, the next two weeks, because um, Kate and I won't be here next week because we're going to be on vacation, but in the next, next couple weeks, um, when we come back, what I would love is when we come back and we get together, I want to hear the testimonies of the time that we've spent with the Father because He's revealing Himself to us, and we get to manifest that revelation to those around us. And the testimonies that we share can be things that He's done for us or what He's led us to do for others and how we've manifested His name as well. How can we be more like Jesus in our interactions with the Father and our interactions with people by manifesting the name of the Father? So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get cleaned up and get out of here. So Abba, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus again. We thank you so much for, uh, for what you've done, for what you've revealed to us through your Son um, and through your Spirit. We thank you so much for who you are, that you are compassionate and kind and loving, that you, are, you look at us 
as your sons and daughters, that you declare that that's who we are, that through believing in Jesus, we are given the right and the authority to be your sons and daughters, that we are given the right to inherit all things with your son, to be co-heirs with Christ, and that you are the one who defines who we are, that you are the one who gives us our identity, that you are the one who helps us see who we are uh, only because of how you reveal who you are to us. Um, so I just, I, I thank you for that. I thank you for our next two weeks and how we slow down to be with you. I thank you for opportunities to slow down to be with you. I thank you for wisdom and understanding and, and what those times look like, what they need to look like, and uh, discerning what you're saying and what you're doing in those moments. I thank you for hearts that are full um, because of your love and mouths that are full because of the testimonies that they will bring in, in the next two weeks when we get back together. Um, I thank you for Highland Park again. I, I, I pray that you would be uh, that you would be established as the father of Highland Park, just as you are our father. I pray that you would um, manifest your name through us so clearly and so vividly that people um, would see you through us. Abba, we thank you. And we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution, or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.